When a young boy is visited by a beautiful alien woman, he's about to learn the movie was right. Earth girls are easy. And then for a long time I have talked on this show about my theory that the government of the United States is investigating the world of ghosts and demons. It turns out I'm half right. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are staying warm. It's so cold in here. I'm wearing socks in the house. I feel like a barbarian. I usually just walk around barefoot. And now my feet, my feet are cold, man. This sucks, dude. Come on, spring, show up. But someone who always shows up on time walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our Thanksgiving live stream supporters. Give it up for Black Dragon 232. Woo! Black Dragon's all walking in. Sounds like sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Black Dragon, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That also really, really helps out a lot. Now, Black Dragon, I, we should just ride you, honestly. We should just climb on your back and you can fly us around. But Black Dragon, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to float all the way out to Mobile, Alabama. Mobile, Alabama. We're in the late 70s, the mid 70s. The timeline of the story is a little off, but um, we are about to take a look at a man who believes that aliens gave him the ability to seduce any woman alive and dead if he's into that sickness. There's this guy, he didn't give his name. We're going to call him Michael. Michael is a young boy, probably like 6'7". He starts suffering from sleep paralysis. So that sucks, right? You're laying there and then you wake up and you can't move your body. (laughs) That kind of makes sense, right? It's in the words there, sleep paralysis. And it's what a lot of people think causes alien abductions. Not that they see you can't move and the alien's like, here's the perfect time. But there's a lot of skeptics who say that sleep paralysis, you can't move, your brain's still dreaming, you start imagining the hag or a demon or a gray alien and things like that. So this guy would suffer from that. A lot of people do suffer from sleep paralysis. But when he wasn't busy sleeping and being paralyzed... He was drawn to light, so Michael would always like to look at the lights. So he would see, like, a flashing neon light down the street, and he's like, yay, sale, woo! And he's like, shot there. He doesn't go into the shop to buy anything. He just stands out looking at the lights. You think I'm exaggerating? Well, he tells this own story that he would often stare at light bulbs for long amounts of time. He would just sit there staring at a light bulb. Sounds, sounds like a wonderful person to bring to a party. One day... Michael is standing there staring at a light bulb, and his eyes are wide open. Uh, I didn't say that he made that noise. I didn't say that he was a zombie. But he stood there with his eyes wide open looking at this light bulb, and a fly is flying around the room. He liked that special effect. I was moving my head the whole time. Flies buzzing around in surround sound. And remember, this guy has his eyes wide open, okay? Now, what I'm about to tell you is not the most ridiculous part of the story, at least according to him, but I can't figure out how this happened. Because when you say, 
I'm staring my <laughs> you say, man, I really had my eyes open. I was really staring at the thing. Do you think your eyes are actually opened? And you're like, Jason, wait, what what where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Like if I open my eyes wide and I'm staring right at you, I'm uncomfortably close, nose to nose with you, and I'm staring. Would you call my eyes wide open? And you say, yeah, of course. <laughs> what are you talking about? And get out of my personal space. Yeah, my eyelids are open. But could this happen? Can you guys tell me any world, and we deal in the world of the paranormal, demonic gateways and such. He said he's staring at a light bulb for so long and his eyes are wide <laughs> open. A fly zzz, flew and hit his eyeball. And before he could do anything, the fly crawled behind the back of his eyeball, and now there was a fly stuck in his head. <laughs> I've read stories about Bigfoot wearing pants chasing Amish farmers around that I found <laughs> ten times more believable than this. Now listen, there might be some sort of medical thing where your eyeballs are smaller than the eye sockets. Maybe. There <laughs> could have been a tiny fly. He, I, I don't know. But the fly flew and hit his eyeball and then crawled over his eyeball and is behind his eyeball now, like inside of his skull. I think he just says the fly hit him and flew in the back. I'm I'm adding, I'm trying to add realism to saying that it crawled across his eyeball because I don't think if you threw a fly, if you threw a fly at somebody's eyeball or if it just happened to fly in, it wouldn't go behind your eye. Am I wrong? Is this like a normal thing? He has this fly. <laughs> Everyone shut off the podcast. They're like, dude, this is way too disturbing. This guy has this fly behind his eyeball now, and he feels it. And his eyeball's vibrating. He's like, uh. So what he does is he has to hold his eye wide open with his fingers. Like he's holding back the eyelid. He's like, uh. And then he started tapping the back of his head. The fly flew out of his skull. That's not the reason why I'm telling the story on this episode. That's not the weirdest thing that happens. I think it is. He goes on to tell a story. Like just if I found that in a medical journal, that would be enough. But we got even more. So he has this fly that was behind his eyeball previously. Now he's older. He's always best friends with the fly. They're eating garbage together. Remember that time when you crawled into my eyeball? Best friends forever. He's 10 years old now. And he's meditating. He's meditating as a 10-year-old in his bedroom. And all of a sudden... A beautiful woman materializes in his room. He describes her as Caucasian, with long blonde hair, and he can't see her hands or her feet. He doesn't say if they're blurry. He doesn't say, like, if she has her hands behind her back and she's happened to be, like, standing in two shoeboxes. But he can't tell where what her hands or her feet look like. Everything else looks good to go, right? Beautiful blonde woman. Now, this story's super disturbing. I'm sorry, Black Dragon. This He's telling this story. He told this story to MUFON, which is a massive... It's a mutual UFO network. They're really big in this community. He told the story to him. They obviously take this seriously. Ten-year-old boy, beautiful woman, no feet, no hands. And he starts to develop these really intense sexual feelings for her. 
Ew, gross, bro. You're 10. And her, <laughs> don't materialize in a 10-year-old's bedroom. As he's walking towards her, he wants to give her a smooch, right? She disappears. Pew! April 5th, 1981. We're going to jump ahead a couple years. Actually, when does this take place? It doesn't, I don't know when the first part took place. But anyways, on April 5th, 1981, maybe it's the next day. Maybe it's a couple years later. Maybe, maybe he's a legal adult when she shows up. We don't know. Because she reappears. Again, no hands, no feet are visible. And they have sex this time. So I'm really hoping she showed up and she's like, oh, I'm eight years too early. But now she's back and it's on. They're banging. Right? I can't do not. Dude, I don't know when this happened. I don't know how old he was. Okay? So just imagine he's an 18-year-old guy, because I honestly don't know. That's the only way my brain can tell this story, because otherwise, it's super creepy. It's interesting to think, sorry, I have to go off in the segue, just to kind of cleanse the ballot. We always see aliens, this is fascinating, now think about this. We always see aliens abducting human women and, and impregnating them. We've had quite a few stories where the aliens are taking women and forcefully putting babies in them and then harvesting the babies out. That's kind of a trope of alien abduction. I wonder how... This is fascinating. I never thought about this before. How many stories are there of young girls... This is, sorry, this is Black Dragon flew away. He's setting my closet on fire trying to stop the podcast. How many stories are out there of... Girls who you would... Illegal, right? It's not like the aliens... The aliens, they don't care about our laws, but you know what I mean? Like, we have these stories. Usually they're women in their 20s. Like, most of the stories that I've uncovered, they're women in their 20s. So I wonder if this happens at a younger age. Weird. I don't... I do not want to type it into Google, but... Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because, you know, obviously those laws are set up for a reason. And I'm a, I am, I'm pro age of consent laws, but that would mean nothing to an alien. An alien who's 300 years old, a woman in her 20s is like a toddler to them. It's like a zygote. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting and disturbing. Um, I wonder, though, it has to happen. There ha and if it doesn't, then there's a reason for that. If the aliens are picking women in their 20s, they must view that as the prime candidate for a hybrid child. Maybe even though a younger woman... God, I can't even believe I'm talking about this. Even though a, 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 a person under the age of 18 can get pregnant, maybe the aliens... I don't think there would be some sort of rule or law against it, right? Even when we talk about stories of the reptilians... Like the reptilians kidnapping kids, they're usually eating them. And then they impregnate the women, like the legal women. This is actually, dude, this is kind of blowing my mind right now. Because either one, most of these stories are made up and people don't want to get arrested for writing creepy stuff about kids. So when they're making this stuff up, they're using adult ages. I don't think that's the case, but just putting it out there. Two... This is happening to girls under the age of 18. And boys in this story, but thinking about the the idea of alien breeding, they are doing it to girls under the age of 18, and we don't know about it. Or, I mean, like, there may be a couple stories out there, and, like, they're just not coming to mind, but or I've never found them. 
or the aliens have left that age group alone for whatever reason. I mean, it'd be a good one. I would support it. But would it be because the aliens are like, uh, that's super gross? Would it be that maybe even though they can physically have human kids, they're not ready to have alien hybrid kids? Could it be that... Like, is it a moral, a sense of morality? Like, we don't want to do this to really a child, mentally a child. But again, like, I, that's weird. I never thought about that. Never thought about that. <laughs> Anyways, now I talked about it on a podcast. And I'll be, it'll cross my mind every once in a while. There has to be a reason for that. There has to be a reason. Again, either stories are made up and they don't want to write about pedophilia. Or the aliens are doing it and we don't know about it. Or... The aliens are choosing not to do it. And that opens a question of why. Fascinating. I love doing this podcast because I never would have sat down and talked out loud and worked that out. <laughs> and for my remaining listeners, I hope you still enjoy this. Anyways, let's get back to the story of Michael. He has sex with this woman and he said the world explodes in blue flame. It's just like this passionate release of energy. And then he wakes up. But to him, it wasn't a dream. Like, he had this experience, and then he did... Then he smoked a cigarette, went to bed, and then he woke up. He says, quote, in his report, he says, quote, gross, but he says, quote, Before this, I was a child. After this, I was sexually aware. And what happens is, after that moment, after April 5th, 1981... Women begin throwing themselves. I really hope this guy's legal. Otherwise, oh my goodness, I don't even know why I released this episode. Women begin throwing themselves at him. Ooh, Michael. And he's like walking down the street. Totally an adult. He's going to go register to vote. And he's signing up for selective service. They're like, oh, Michael. And no matter where he went, women fell in love with him. He became a sex god, right? Now, what's interesting is that should be the end of the story. Just a little tip from a tale teller like myself. In strong, right? When you're going to tell a story, that should be be it. You walk into a room and all the women automatically want to have sex with you. But he then goes on to tell a story that he joined the Navy, which is ridiculous because if you had the ability to seduce any woman, you would just sedu- I would just be seducing senators and stuff like that. And I'd be going to the House of Representatives and be like, what's up, gals? And everyone's like, woo! And they're like all over me and they're like, we're going to pass a law making Jason Carpenter the best guy ever and pay him money. And people would be like, what? That's, that's insane. Who is this guy? Is this guy some sort of Lex Luthor supervillain? And then I would go on tour and I'd be like, be walking around shopping malls. And I'm like, hey, ladies, vote for that bill. Hey, yeah, you do. And they would all fall in love with me. And I would get a million dollars a month. That's, that's, putting, that's putting the noggin of use, right? He joins the Navy. He basically wants to sit on a boat full of dudes. Actually, maybe he got tired of women constantly pawing him. 1981, they had nothing but men sailors. He goes on a boat in the middle of nowhere. And actually, now that I think about it, that probably is what you would do after years of being harassed, harangued, grabbed by women. I mean, it's cool for the first couple of years, but he gets on a, he gets on a boat full of weapons in the middle of the ocean that's staffed by nothing but men. But while he's there, he has an issue with his foot. And so apparently the doctors are doing this x-ray and they look and there is a needle in his foot. Now he says it's a implant, an alien implant. The doctors, 
he said were being really cagey about it. They didn't really want to reveal what it was, but they said it was a sewing needle. He must have stepped on a sewing needle as a kid, and it went all the way up into his foot, and so you couldn't see it anymore, and he didn't know it. So they were able to pull out some of it, but they go, part of it broke. We can't get the whole sewing needle, and he's like, ah. And he goes, I think it's an implant. I don't think they were telling me the truth. What's the chances of me stepping on a sewing needle and not remembering it? Like stepping on a sewing needle so hard it went all the way up into my foot. What are the chances of that? And what are the chances of a sewing needle breaking apart? Kind of the point of a sewing needle is just like this hard piece of steel. I would tell Michael, what are the chances of a fly crawling into your skull via your eyeball? But maybe he is not only lucky in love, but lucky in stuff going into his body. So that's the story of Michael. I mean, MUFON, I found it on thinkaboutitdocs.com. They're a totally legit website. We've been covering them for a long time. Great website. It's great afternoon reading. I just recommend going there and looking around. They got it from MUFON, which again is a national UFO research group. I mean, dude, does that mean we have to believe this story? I believe this guy told it, right? I believe that this guy told it. What's interesting is if you just took the last two parts, the sex god and the needle, I'd probably be a little more like, oh, that's possible. Because I believe in alien implants, and I I guess I believe, I guess I believe that someone could have an aphrodisiac ability, right? Given, I mean, if you can be telekinetic, or if you can have telepathy, or if you can talk to ghosts like a medium, why wouldn't you be able to affect the vibrational core of other people, i.e. women? I wonder if he was gay if it would affect dudes or if he's just out of luck. He's like, oh, great. Um, yeah, interesting story. The part with the eye, the fly f- flying into the eyeball, it makes it a little sus. But, I mean, again, I might get a bunch of emails from you guys and photos and video demonstrations of you pushing flies into your own eyeball. Maybe that's super possible. I don't know. But it's weird. That part when I was reading it, I was laughing really hard and I thought it was disgusting. And I couldn't wait to tell you guys it. But then I kept reading it. It's, fa- it's a fascinating story. I mean, on the one hand, you that would be a cool power to have, right? That women, again, you want it to be very specific. Women want to have sex with you. The the Whatever it is, is 18 and up. Right? I don't know how you would work the alien magic like that because I don't not know. No. Like 18 air up, right? But uh, yeah, I think it probably would get tiresome after a while. And then you're running, you're running, and you can't run so far because you got a you got a needle in your foot. Black Dragon 232. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Michael. We are headed all the way out to Lima, Peru. When did that story take place? What was it, 1981? I wonder if this dude's still alive. He didn't give his name. I'm stuck on this first one. I know I got to transition to the next one, but he didn't give he didn't give his name. I made up the name Michael. I wonder if this dude is still alive. What if it is like some Lothario? It's Channing Tatum or something like that. Who knows? One of the Jonas Brothers. All of the Jonas Brothers. Who knows? Anyways, Lima, Peru. We're at the intersection of Garcilaso de la Vega and España Avenue. And at this place, there is the Matusita House. It's a two-story building. It's very, very nondescript. You could drive your car past this a hundred times and you wouldn't even know the building was there. You probably, okay, maybe after two or three times you'd realize the building was there. But you wouldn't even catch your eye. It's just a building. 
This area, if you want to talk about like a cursed area, this is a recipe for it. In pre-Hispanic times, before the conquistadors showed up, this area was used for religious ceremonies for the natives in the area. And after the conquistadors showed up, the old wall of Lima cut right through where this house is today. And that was the marker. It was a very, very physical marker that showed this is the site of the Spaniards. And on the other side, that's where the natives lived. That's where the slaves lived. So you have a location that has been powered by religious ceremonies over the course of decades, centuries maybe. And now there is a wall there that separates the population and it solidifies the fact we are your betters. You're on the other side of that wall. In 1860, in this location, a prison was built. And that prison was in operation until 1970, and it contained everyone from common crooks to military prisoners. And at one point, the president of the country was locked up in there. I don't think it was for like a fun overnight stay. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he was being charged with something. I don't think he was like, hey, I wonder what these prisoners are going through. I want to see what the people live like. The first floor of this building, totally fine. Now in modern times on this city block, we have the Matt Yusita house, a two-story building. And the first floor, totally fine. You can walk through it all day long. But the second floor, haunted. People are experiencing just typical hauntings. Voices, things moving, stuff like that. Very, very by the book. But creepy enough that you don't want to work there. Your stapler is always missing. There's cold spots in the room. You're trying to make a business call. And there's a voice of the damned going, right behind you. It's not a place you really want to work. And these stories were flying around, just like the poltergeist above their heads. The second floor of the Matusita building is haunted. So of course people are going to come up with reasons for this activity. One of them, one of the stories was there was a Japanese man who lived in Peru. One day he was coming home from work and he found his wife cheating on him. Jason, didn't you just say this was an office building? Yeah, but it also was a house at some point, right? They tried turning it into an office building. But before that, He's coming home from work. He's working in one room. He opens the door. He's like, honey, I'm home. He's walking through this other door. No, this place used to be a house. He comes home. His wife is cheating on him, and he stabs them both to death. Stab, 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 stab. Kills them both. And then he's like, oh, dude, I'm totally not going to be able to get away with this. Like, look at all this blood. Look at these bodies. Like, I probably shouldn't have done any of this. I probably should have walked through the door and gone back to work. And he's like, I'm not going to be able to get away with this. They're going to catch me. So I might as well just, you know, go the extra mile. And in a weird leap of logic, I mean, I kind of get it because people are psychotic. He waits for his kids to come home. You're like, I didn't know he had kids. Well, not for long. His kids come home and he butchers them, too. A lot of times when people, and then he kills himself, just because of what I'm about to say, a lot of times when people do murder-suicides, they'll kill their kids, and people go, what? That guy jumped off the bridge, and he threw both of his kids over the bridge as well. Why would he do that? The kids deserve to live. Generally, when someone's that desperate and that at the end, they think life is so horrible, I'm actually doing these kids a favor by throwing them off the bridge. It makes no sense to the rest of us, right? Or to the kids, but in that state, he goes, well, it's better off, I mean... These kids are just going to grow up and their whore wife is going to cheat on them too. So I might as well just chop them up too. Chops them up, 
chops him up, and then kills himself. And you're, <laughs> Jason, you're being really, really uh, rude about this. This seems to be an urban legend. I don't think this actually happened, right? So before I get all the hate mail, I, this probably didn't happen. There's another theory that this house, again, back when it was a house, it was owned by a real jerk. <laughs> I mean, I, the first guy butchered his family, but this guy, ugh, you just want to punch this guy right in the kisser. It was owned by this jerk, and he treated his servants really, really poorly. So one day they say, you know what? We're so tired of this guy treating us like trash. I know what we'll do. Let's put powerful hallucinogens in his food. And actually, he's having a party coming up. Let's put powerful hallucinogens in everyone's food, except for ours, <laughs> except for the servants. We'll be fine. So they did that. They put hallucinogens and all this food and everyone's like mm, um, this is the best food ever oh dude look at this turkey leg arm, arm, arm. and look at this turkey leg arm, arm, arm. and look at this turkey leg arm, arm. and the other guy's like oh dude marshmallows are the best and then it's, dude's intestines are getting eaten out and he doesn't even feel it and he's like oh i'm king of the world i'm king of the world then there's like a girl walking around in circles and she's like eating her own fingers yum 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 i love del taco and just they basically kill each other they basically like go so insane from all these hallucinogens. They I don't I just imagine everyone thinks the other person is food and they're running around chasing like these roasted chickens running down the hallway and they just all die. And it's this huge bloody massacre. And the servants are like, oh, this is not what we expected. We thought they would just be staring at their hands for four hours. Instead, they've eaten their hands and now they're staring at us. Huge massacre. The servants ran. They left the city. Never seen again. Except in hallucinations of people doing hallucinogenic drugs. Again, we don't know if this story is true. I love that story, right? That sounds absolutely terrifying. I hate mind-altering drugs because my grasp of reality is already so thin. Right? I'm, ghosts and goblins and all this stuff I have to deal with on a daily basis. So if someone's like, dude, this will let you see everything it'll open the door i'm good i'm good i'm good i know what happens when the doors of perception are open uh, i call it tuesday night so that i love that story though so they're all eating each other and stuff like that it doesn't specifically say that they're eating each other it says that they killed each other but again i often get called out on all my cannibal episodes apparently there is something there but they're eating each other they're, no they're not they're just killing each other but anyways so they say, this is when the story gets super fascinating. If you've already been like, oh, Jason's talking about urban legends again, which I really have done a lot this season, but I really, really like them. We found some good ones. Jason's talking about a haunted house. That This is where it gets interesting, and this is where we get to my conspiracy theory that I've talked about before. Okay? There is the... Today they say that this house is so haunted that if you spend more than five minutes on the second floor of the building... You will see the dead standing before you. You'll hear the screams, their last wails before they were slaughtered. You'll even see a reenactment of the murders. So I go up and I see the Japanese guy walk. I'm like, oh man, not this lame one. I wanted to see people eat each other. Apparently, you'll see the reenactment of the murders. In the 1970s, a guy put this to the test. This is real. Humberto Vilchez Vera, host of a show called... This has to be translation error, right? But it's the name of a show called Ghosts Have Fun. I mean, that is, that is an awesome 
awesome name for a television show. It actually should have been the name of my podcast. But Ghosts Have Fun. It's a great name, but I think it's a translation error. Humberto said, you know what? I've heard this story. It's very, very popular in Peru. I will stay for seven days on the second floor of this house. That's pretty bold, right? I don't know if they brought in like seven days worth of food or if they were going to like throw it in with a crane. But seven days, that's a long time. He's only there for two hours, though. He ran out of the building screaming, checked himself. I don't know if this happened in the same day. I think he ran out of the building screaming, went home for a bit, and then thought about it. But the way that I have it written in my notes, it says, stayed for two hours, ran away. And the next line says, checked himself into an insane asylum. So I just imagine him running out of the house. Ah! He's running past the camera crew, ah, running down the street, ah, and then he just runs in and then says, ah, I'd like to check myself in, please. Ah. Anyways, he checked himself into an insane asylum. This news reporter, or no, not news reporter, the show is called Ghosts Have Fun. But anyways, this host, this television host, checked himself into an insane asylum. He stayed there for 13 months and then vanished. No one ever saw him again. But this is so fascinating. That actually happened. A couple years... (laughs) This is so ridiculous, right? A couple years later, he wrote a book. This guy completely vanished after spending 13 months in an insane asylum, the spookiest amount of time to spend there. He wrote a book, and he said in the book, I was just kidding. Like, I didn't actually... I did run out of the building. (laughs) Like We saw you run out of the building. He's like, yeah, yeah. I ran out of the building, but I didn't actually go to an insane asylum, and I didn't disappear all this time. I just wanted higher ratings for my television show, so I pulled that stunt. I'm thinking, how? Wait, what? That This is real. This, this, this Everything else you can say is urban legend. This actually happened. How in the world are you going to get higher ratings for your show if part of your story is you mysteriously vanished? Did they get a new host for Ghosts Have Fun? And they just had like an in-memoriam episode for this guy? Because the hosts of the show, the producers of the show, had to know this guy was still alive, right? Because there would have been like insurance payouts and they would have to pay the insane asylum every month. What what type of plot? That's like a balloon boy level plot. It's so overwrought. How in the world do you disappear forever and think more people are going to watch your show that stops being made because you've disappeared forever? And if you're not doing the show anymore, why do you care if the ratings are higher? Absolutely bizarre story. But that's not the end of this saga. Because here's the thing. I have talked about on this show quite a lot. That we know the government investigates the UFO phenomenon. 100% we know the government does that. They have Senate hearings about it. We also know with 100% certainty that the CIA has tested psychokinesis, telekinesis, telepathy, remote viewing, right? All this psychic phenomenon, we know for a fact there have been declassified documents showing that the CIA was interested in this. And I've said, do the governments of the world, does the CIA work with the greater paranormal world? Do they study Bigfoot? Do they study Bigfoot? Do they study ghosts? Have they tried contacting demons? Sure, they may work with a medium to try to find a body, right? The FBI will do that every so often, or local police will do that every so often. But what about a demonologist 
because they believe that a demon's in a certain area and they want to take him out or they want to try to control him or they want to learn something from him. If the government is looking into the world of the UFO and they're looking into the world of mental phenomenon, I can't imagine a CIA agent going, ghosts, that's dumb. Because they do all this other stuff, right? They do all this other stuff. So I've always said that. And... This story makes that theory half right. And if this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. I'm really happy we're ending the week on this. Because in the town... This makes so much sense. I can't believe that I didn't think about this. In the town of Lima, Peru, there is a theory, a conspiracy theory, to be fair, in the city about the Matusita house. In the 1940s, the United States built their U.S. Embassy for Peru in this area. Actually, right across the street, apparently. And people who have lived in this area for a long, long time... Remember how these stories are kind of generating? We had it be this area, and then you hear the story about the Japanese man killing his family or the guy attacking his servants. There's no proof of any of these stories, right? But these stories have taken hold. The fact that someone in the 1970s is making a television show about it, right? It's one of the most famous haunted buildings in Peru. The belief is, this is so interesting, I didn't, kind of mad I didn't think about this. Their locals believe that this place is not haunted. All of the evidences of hauntings are in your head. There is nothing wrong with this building. The reason why you think it's haunted is because the CIA did not want people on the second floor of that building. It gave them a clear line of sight into the U.S. Embassy for Peru. So to prevent people from living up there or from working up there, it's possessed. Evil demons of murder victims, and there might be a murderer hiding in the bathroom with a pipe or a knife or a bunch of hallucinogens. That's so interesting. And it totally made me think, all of these haunted roads we cover or this place out in the wilderness where... There's ghosts, and maybe if you go out there, maybe if you go out to Haunchyville, there's a man with a shotgun, and used to be these little people there who will chop your legs off. 100% CIA operations. I'm not saying the CIA had a bunch of little people chopping people's legs off. I'm saying if you wanted a clear path to move items down a road, whether that be assets, whether that be cocaine because they did smuggle a bunch of cocaine into the United States and sell it as crack. I don't think I don't think they were driving through Haunchyville when that happened, but this makes sense. You could totally take an area off the map locally by saying this place is haunted. And you go, Jason, but the thing is, it's like you're always talking about, you know about these legends because kids are driving down this road and why would the CIA want Crybaby Bridge? If you had a road that was no, or let's stay with the house example, right? I don't want to get too far into the weeds. The CIA is hiding there, waiting for me. You had a house that you told people was haunted. You would attract a small amount of people going into that house. I've ghost hunted. I've done physical ghost hunting. And a lot of you may have done physical ghost hunting as well. Gone to a location, investigated a haunting or a rumored haunting. But the normal people don't do that, right? There's never a bank executive who's like, you know what, it's Friday night. Let's drive down to the MacArthur Manor and see if the skin-eating demon is true. Most people don't do that. 
you would reduce the foot traffic if you spread these stories. This makes so much sense. This makes so much sense. Now, I'm not saying every haunting is CIA, because that would be the end of the show, right? If from now on every ghost story I go, and the reason behind that ghost was the Central Intelligence Agency. No, but it will make... I would say there is a... I honestly believe this now. This is my conspiracy theory. I believe there is a portion of haunted roads, haunted houses, haunted locations that are important to the CIA in one way or the other. Now, right now, the embassy is not near this location. The embassy has moved. It's still in Lima, but it's no longer on this street. The ghost stories persist, and now ghost hunters can go up there all day long. Are they finding anything? They spread these... This is so fascinating. I love this. This makes sense. CIA may not be talking to ghosts. They may... I honestly still think they're doing that, right? I think the CIA would have... Because we figure other people are probably doing it, right? Other governments are probably doing it. Trying to investigate the world of the paranormal, life after death, demonic entities. I totally believe that they probably still have a part of their budget going towards that. But this... Boots on the ground totally makes sense. You would want to keep prying eyes off of a certain road so you could drive three black sedans down it once every four or five months because that's the cleanest way to get from point A to point B. Now, having these three black sedans moving down a highway, sure, they may just blend in with everything else, but someone may notice Covert ops requires you to be covert. And if you say this road's haunted, a lot of people will avoid it. Some people will go there for it, but a lot of people will avoid it. And these are these roads tend to be like out in the middle of nowhere. I remember once when I was driving down Dyer Lane, we came across the police officer driving without his headlights on. Not 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 just his siren lights, his headlights were off. That cop is up to something shady. He was probably up to no good, right? And the, the, you that would be the place to do it. I remember as we passed this cop, I thought this would be the perfect place to, if you're a dirty cop, to make a drug drop off because nobody drove down Dyer Lane because everyone thought it was haunted. The only people who drove down Dyer Lane were people who lived on it. And that was like three people. <laughs> the road's super big. This makes so much sense. I really wonder how many other haunted locations... Because, see, we're able to see this one because we have haunted house and then nearby like within eyesight so you could look out of that second floor and look into this embassy the u.s embassy so it's a clear connection there i wonder how many of these other spots is where a cia helicopter will land out in the middle of nowhere and this road three-legged lady road is the best road to get there so they like don't drive here late at night. Three-legged lady might jump you and you know, have four legs after she's done. Fascinating. Fascinating theory, right? Conspiracy theory. Is the CIA using haunted houses as fronts? Actually, that's a totally different theory. What if they're kidnapping people? I didn't even think about that. What if when they are like doing that, what do they call it, like extreme rendition, they kidnap a guy from one country and they fly him over to America and they put him in a haunted house. They put him in a house that everyone in town thinks is haunted. And you just hear a dude screaming super loud. 
And you're like, oh man, those ghost stories must be true. The guy's screaming. He's he's also screaming addresses for some weird reason. He seems to be giving a lot of information out, a lot of personal information. He's giving out names and dates of attacks. What's going on in that haunted house? What's up with that ghost? It's crazy. That's a totally different theory. What if that's what causes these weird banging noises and these screams? Oh my God, that's a totally different theory. It's just, I don't want to keep using the word fascinating. It's almost becoming a cliche on this show. But when you do find yourself ghost hunting again, if you've never done it, it's a blast. I really recommend getting your friends together, doing it safe, being sober, having cell phones on you and flashlights and knowing where everyone's at. You guys will have a ball. You also might run afoul of a CIA operation. I know when I did real-life ghost hunts, I'd always say our main worries are bums and dogs. Because you're out in the middle of nowhere. You may or may not be trespassing on private property. Dogs and bums. (laughs) There's not many bums who own houses, but it could be a private property that's an abandoned house and stuff like that. Bums and dogs. And I never, ever, ever thought that I could be walking around a spooky haunted house and there's a CIA agent currently torturing a guy the floor above me. So yeah, I guess there's another reason to be extra cautious when you go ghost hunting. Dogs, bums, and the Central Intelligence Agency. It turns out that ghost stories may actually contain more horror than just the paranormal. You may end up crossing the path of a CIA operative while they're doing their duty. But also this, again, may shed a lot of light on who knows how many hauntings. Are they real or is it a government cover-up? Wish I had thought of this myself. Honestly, I wish I had thought of this conspiracy theory myself. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.